Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast. We're our ho- <laughs> We're some hosts over here. We're our own hosts. Of the Laugh Podcast show. Over there is Mr. Two Frames Bull. Really? This is the one we keep? Yep. Of the L-Trade. <laughs> and we're here to give a movie review, our first movie review of 2015, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, of a movie released in 2015. If you were listening to uh, the episode two weeks ago of We Laugh, we previewed this film. Uh, and I think during the course of that show, we got so excited about Kingsman, the Secret Service, that we decided to go watch this film. And yep. after watching it, we both agreed that we have to do a review of this movie. It's the best movie that I've seen in 2015 that's been released in 2015. How many other 2015ers have you watched? Just out of curiosity. None. All right. <laughs> so uh, we'll ask you this question again in a couple of weeks, hopefully. <laughs> uh, no, it'll stick up there. This is, this, is, this is on the top of my list for tops of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Kingsman <laughs> Service, directed by Matthew Vaughn. Uh, he's had a couple of other films. Kick Ass, uh, Stardust, Layer Cake, and most recently, X Men First Class. What's the name of the girl in the Kick Ass thing? Hit Girl. There's supposed to be a Hit Girl spin off movie. They would like to, um, in the comic book. No, he books, said it's already there. Is Matthew he producing Vaughn. it? Yeah, I think he's either producing directly or directing it. Yeah, uh, he does a lot of. Uh, producing especially of British films. Uh, if you've watched any gangster film from Britain in the last 10, 15 years, it's a good chance Matthew and Vaughn Guy Ritchie? has produced it. Yeah, Guy Ritchie's probably directed it, but uh, Matthew Vaughn's probably huh. helped produce it. Lotstock and Two Smoking Gun Barrels. Uh, <laughs> Snatch. No, wait. <laughs> two Smoking Barrels, right? Okay. <laughs> Let's just make sure. We don't want our listeners to go to the wrong movie. All right. <laughs> the, the movie is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, he also produced Snatch and uh, Harry Brown, starring Michael Caine. Uh, this one had Michael Caine in it, The Kingsman. It did? Yeah, he was pretty good on it. I liked it. Um, this movie stars Colin Firth, Teron Egerton, okay. Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Caine, and Sophia Boutella. Um, That's the girl from Glee, right? No, it wasn't her. That's who I thought. I thought it was <laughs> Leah was Michelle thinking. the whole time. It's like, wow, she's got in shape. Yeah. Um, this is a movie about a secret spy organization made up of British gentlemen. And uh, they recruit an unrefined but promising street kid into the agency um, when a global threat emerges from a twisted tech genius played so... by Samuel L. Jackson. And that... Plot summary comes from IMDb. And the recruiter is the Colin Firth character. Mm-hmm. The leader is Michael Caine. And then the, what is it, Joel Edgerton? <laughs> what did you say his name was? Tom Edgerton? Teron. Teron. Yeah, Edgerton. Huh. Uh, who's done some British TV. They call him Eggy in the movie, but he introduces himself as XE. Which I, when they said that, that was my dog's, my first dog's name, XE. I was like, I'm going to like this movie. <laughs> I think uh, Colin Firth turns to him and says, Hey, Exy, how are you? Or something like that. Yeah, he, he, his name is Gary Edzy Ewan. Exy. Like egg. Yeah. That's what, they, that's what they change his name to, but those are the... I think his real name is XC. Could be. Like X, Exy. 
like X E. I don't know. Either so, um, you liked this film? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it for a lot of reasons. Uh, it has the same thing going for it that uh, <clears throat> what's that other movie you always blame me for liking? Pacific Rim. <laughs> it it takes itself. It doesn't take itself seriously, and it throws right back in your face everything that it's about. Like it owns its own conceits, mm-hmm. and it it and you see it right away with the titles. Like the it, it's so the CGI is so present in the movie titles in the first twelve seconds of the movie. You're aware that this is the movie that you're going to get, and this is what it is, and. If you're in for the, if you're along for the ride, you're going to love it, I think. And if you're not going in it to see it, and you're not along, if if you don't accept the titles, then you probably will start finding yourself a little bit uncomfortable. And then the movie proceeds to make you even more uncomfortable as it goes along. I think. Yeah, no, I, I think the the whole thing feels very familiar, and I've heard Michael Vaughn talk about he Michael would, Vaughn or Matthew Vaughn. Thank you, <laughs> Matthew Vaughn talked about. Uh, he, was, cousin? he was trying to do the same thing Steven Spielberg did with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Take original material and do his own spin on it. Try and freshen it up. Where Raiders of the Lost Ark takes the old action-adventure serials of the 1940s mm-hmm. and freshens them up. This is taking all of those spy movies, the TV shows that people grew up with in the 50s, 60s, Well, 70s. isn't it based on a comic... Or a graphic novel? Based a little bit on the comic book by Mark Miller, but apparently only three of the characters from the comic book show up in this movie. It takes the basic plot. Is he related to Frank Miller, that guy? Mark Miller? No, this is Miller with an A. Millar. Oh, okay. (laughs) But I've heard him called Mark Miller. Have you seen that that meme, Steven with a PH? No. Oh, God. All right. Check it out on our check it out on our Twitter feed because I'm going to be tweeting that out soon. Stephen with PH. Uh, <laughs> yes, but uh, Mark Miller has lots of comic book movies that have come out. Kick Ass is probably the most famous. Uh, Wanted is also oh, I like, is Wanted the one with Angelina Jolie. Angelina and, Jolie and the Curving Bullets. Yeah, I like that one. They're all good. They but see the thing the difference between that movie and this movie Wanted and this movie is Wanted Wanted you. To accept it in your reality. They wanted you to be able to place it in your reality and kind of accept that they could bend bullets because of their special powers or whatever. Kingsman allows it allows you to accept the the fact that it's in its own reality. Mm-hmm. Like it, it pulls you into its reality instead of trying to force itself into your reality. And that's the same thing Pacific Rim did. Well, and it's having fun the whole time. Yeah. It knows it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, there are times where characters openly talk about what happens in a spy movie. Right. And, and they're aware of all these conceits. All of the characters in this movie have watched the same spy movies in the TV shows that the audience is aware of. There's a joke that one character makes about the shoe phone from Get Smart. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. It, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, it's it's hyper-aware. It's always... Kind of nodding and Very looking meta. at the camera. Uh, I've often heard of Harrison Ford in Star Wars that he was the only character that was in on the joke. 
Okay, and that's what made him so likable. Yeah, you know, that he's kind of winking at the camera the whole time. Like, yeah, you know, isn't this fun? As another Star Wars character, this has Mark Hamill in it. It does. As uh, one of the early um, characters that you see, and, and you see him on stage, and you have no... Or, on stage. On film, and you have no idea that that's Mark Hamill. At the end of the movie, the credits start rolling, and it said, starring uh, Mark Hamill. <laughs> you turn to me, I turn to you, like... Mark Hamill? Who is he? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Was it that guy? And then, uh, it's kind of like a Tim Robbins is in Professor Top Arnold. Gun. Uh, he is? Yeah, he's in. <laughs> he's uh, in that movie? When I was in college, the college uh, had a viewing of Top Gun. And I went with my buddies. And he came to speak? No, we wanted to see on bit screen. And we were watching the opening credits. And, you know, it says Tom Cruise... Tim Robbins, and we're going, Tim Robbins is in this? So the whole movie, you're looking for him. He shows up in the very last scene, where everyone's high-fiving Tom Cruise on top of the carrier. There's Tim Robbins. And he's listed as one of the main characters? (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if they cut some parts with him from earlier in the film. But maybe they were trying to draw on his own personal uh, popularity at the time. No idea. I thought they did something similar with uh, the Mark Hamill character. No, he played a pretty big role. Professor Arnold. Yeah, but when you've finally see apparently uh, in the comic book he is the first celebrity that's uh captured in the 1952 version of julius caesar if you look closely you can see rodney dangerfield <laughs> from caddyshack and i saw him for the first time this year i've shown that movie ooh, 10 times maybe or maybe six times ever since i started teaching 10 honors uh english and uh i've been looking for him and then i finally found him he's in one of the crowd scenes Nice. I think he's like 20 years old or something, maybe. Maybe in his late 20s. Stand-up comedian. But he was just an extra. He was just an extra. He's in the crowd, yeah. He was like, I don't think he has any speaking lines. <laughs> I'll show them to you uh, next next chance we get. I like it. Yeah. So, Roddy Dangerfield. Yeah. So, um, Kingsman, though. Good Kingsman's film. Great film. Would Let's you consider it. this a spy movie or a superhero movie? Or maybe a... A comic book movie? Uh, that would, the reason I wouldn't say comic book... Um, I, I don't know. It's a good question. Because It's I mean, all three. It's, it's all three, but which one do you put first in the list? And this was something, as I was watching the film, I kept going back and forth on. Maybe it's its own movie. It <laughs> it's sets its, its own genre? Yeah, like you could say the same thing about Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim's like sci-fi, but it's also superhero, and it's also Godzilla. comic book. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a what is that called? A mashup? It's a, a genre mashup. bender. But, but it's also it's. I mean, to me, this is a spy movie for the new generation. Uh, Bond to me is feeling terribly dated. In the last couple of Bond films, I haven't really enjoyed that much. This film feels like a new Bond film. This is what Bond should be for the next generation. I don't know if I've ever really liked those Bond movies. I know it's sacrilege. Yeah, but... I guess I saw the first one was Pierce Brosnan. He was the Bond that I grew up with. And then I worked backwards to Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. I saw him on television. You know, on HBO or whatever. Video. I just never really got it. I never really got into it, so... I mean, I love the old... I, I, personally, I love the old Bonds. But I love but, the Austin Powers movies that send those up. Mm-hmm. This one is somewhere in between. I I think Austin Power movies try to satirize the spy conventions. I think 
this movie is taking the director's favorite aspects of the spy movies. The gadgets, the wardrobe, the dialogue, uh-huh. and it's putting its own spin on it. You know, just really, really stylizing it. And Matthew Vaughn, all along in his career, he's taken films and stylized them in his own way. Uh, Kick-Ass, he's taking the superhero movie and breaking it down and putting the elements he loves the most in it. X-Men, same way. Layer Cake is your classic British gangster film. It's probably the best of all of those early 2000 gangster like films. Lock, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. And Snatch, I like those. Oh, I like them too. No, I like those better than Layer Cake. Okay. But I understand what you're saying. Um, Daniel Star- Craig's in Layer Cake. Stardust is the unofficial sequel to The Princess Bride. All right. And it's, you can see all the inspiration from that. Wait, um, is that the one where they're flying on a pirate ship or something? Yeah, like with Robert, Robert De, Niro. De Niro. Do you have a movie poster of that in your... I should. No, in, at school. No, no, I have a movie poster in my classroom for uh, The Nutcracker. Okay, that's right. <laughs> it's one, yeah, one of the cool. worst uh, movies ever made, and it bankrupted right. some European movie studio. All right. There was also this intense, close action, which involved a heck of a lot of choreography and stunt work. And it was probably like matched up with a lot of CGI as well. But I guess my question is, does that close fighting stunt work elevate the movie? The, the hand-to-hand combat that takes place in a closed setting because it happens three or four times in the movie um, I guess my does that elevate it over movies that involve big wide open spaces with a whole lot of CGI like Iron Man or Man of Steel where they're you know the the fight takes place in a city mm-hmm. that's the setting this is like a bar room or uh, like a church yeah. So you're asking, does the CGI work in this? No, no, no. Is that is it the fact that I'm pretty sure it works? I guess it's the the difference in setting in terms of uh, the limited um, amount of space that they have. The fact that they're able to create the fights and the scenes in there is due mostly to stunt work and choreography, and has very little to do with the CGI. The CGI is only incidental to those things. And my question to you is. Does that elevate this type of movie over the other CGI type of stuff that involve bigger settings and bigger scenes? Is that a convoluted question? Does it make sense? Yeah. Well, one, I do think you're undercutting how much CGI plays a role in these fight scenes. I think that there's a lot of stuff that the CGI is helping to add in. Um, yeah, objects it, are being thrown. It's shot, like spice. Whatever. Yeah, but it's being done very well. I think it's not the meal. What I appreciate about the fight scenes in this film is the cinematography. I mean, the choreography is great, but I would argue the choreography is often great in fight scenes. But the way that the camera work is done and the editing is done, there are too many quick cuts. You can't appreciate the skill of the stunt work. Where this movie, the camera doesn't cut a whole lot during the fight scenes the camera remains at a fair distance from the subject so that you can see everything. You can see the blows land. Well, it also slows it down some, which is 
Mm-hmm. So you can appreciate it. It's shot in a lot of the same way 300 was shot. Sometimes the camera speeds up. Sometimes it slows down. Yeah, and, but 300 is so ultra-stylized that it goes beyond itself. This is... The CGI works to mimic reality. Yes. Or replicate reality. But I do think you can see where 300 has influenced this film. And right. so that you can see the blows, you can see them land... Uh, there's also more of a Asian style of fight choreography in editing, where you get to see the bl- the blows land. Oftentimes in American uh, fight movies, they will cut the frame where the punch supposedly lands, and then you cut to a new angle, and it's about two frames later. So you never really see the punch land. Oftentimes in Asian fight choreography. When they cut to the new angle, they'll have gone back two or three frames so you can see the same punch land a second time. Because it, it takes a half second for your mind to adjust to the new camera I think angle. this movie's doing that, though. Somewhere in between those two. You yeah, but, but it's it. taking those ideas of how can we get you to really understand the fight? How can we really get you to feel like these blows are landing? All right. So, so don't have a bunch of cut... Uh, quick cuts, don't have the camera too close. Pull, pull the camera back so that we can see everything going on. I guess my question then is, not the convoluted question I tried to make it, but did you like this better than uh, Man of Steel? Yeah. Fight scene. The fight scenes, yeah, uh, to me, Man of Steel, after I just said most movies have great fight choreography, Man of Steel does not have great fight choreography. It, it's just too much of Superman throwing the same punch over and over again. Alright, but you could say uh, there's good fight scenes in uh, Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. But all of those fights also, they have their own flavor. There's something new that comes up. But Uh, it's also the the camera is a great distance away because of the size of the the combatants. And it's not closed in tight. So, I don't know. I there's something about the old school uh, suspense and and uh, I don't know action driven sequences in those tight spaces that make it that elevate the film that elevates this film anyway. Wow, that didn't make any sense at all. No, I, mean, I don't think so. What I'm thinking of is that movie, uh, The Equalizer, does that. And then at the end of the Equalizer, it doesn't as much, and the ending is not as good as the rest of the movie. As far as I'm yeah, concerned, I'm not I didn't sure. need to spoil the Equalizer any, but well, I think any of these films are they showing you something you haven't seen before? We see people getting punched in the face a lot. If your character just throws haymakers, we've seen that before, uh-huh. and now films like the Equalizer, Pacific Rim. This film, John Wick, which we've talked about before, they're showing you things you've never seen before. John Wick uses something called the central axis shooting position, which is actually a horrible way to shoot a gun. But it looks awfully cool because you're holding the gun on your side, and you're always turned sideways to your person, and you get lots of quick movements. Uh, Keanu Reeves' character is also a judokai. Uh-huh. Uh, judo practitioner. We don't see a lot of judo in movies, so he there's has a lot no, of throws. There's and no joy way blocks. for anyone to know whether or not you just pronounce that word right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but K- 
can we show you choreography that you haven't seen? Can we show you fight styles you haven't seen before? Everyone has seen karate before. Did you know right? that? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the raid works well because it shows you some Indonesian fight uh, moves that we've never seen before. It's a fighting style that in the United States we're just not used to. I would argue that there's a lot of stuff you see in this movie that you haven't seen before. Most people haven't seen it before, except for like those that watch Matthew Vaughn movies. Yeah. Were those popular movies, those other ones? Kick-Ass and the... I know Kick-Ass 2 Kick-Ass didn't make all of them. was pretty popular. Um, X-Men First Class. That's all Layer later, Cake dude. and Stardust, not as much. Okay. X-Men First Class is the first of the yeah. um, prequel X-Men mm-hmm. stuff. All right, I but, didn't like it that much. But, again, there's a great scene in that movie where Magneto has stabbed a guy's hand to a table. Yeah, that's And another scene. guy goes to, like, shoot a gun at Magneto, and Magneto pulls whoa, 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 whoa. the... People have seen this. All right. But... They, he pulls the knife out of the guy's hand, sends it across the room, stabs uh-huh. the guy, pulls it in, slings it back with his magnetic powers, puts it right back in the first guy's uh, hand. Yeah, that's good. And it's just, it's a quick two, three-second thing, and we've never seen it before, and you go... Yeah, if I had that power that Magneto has, that's how I would do yeah. it. Is he involved in the X-Men First Class Part 2? Second, X-Men Second Class? Uh, Days of Future Past. <laughs> yeah. He was working on the script, and he dropped out to do Kingsman. Oh, okay. So. Alright, so um, your take on uh, Colin Firth, who's sort of play, always in the past played sort of a doughy... Uh, I mean, he's middle-aged. He's, like, upper-middle-aged. I thought he looked great in this film. Apparently, he spent six months training to get into shape. So you're willing to accept him in that sort of James Bondy role? Yeah. Uh, yeah, James Bond. Apparently, he said he was told to channel David, David Nevin, who... David Nevin's James Bond? Yes. Okay. From the unofficial Casino Royale. Because he's more uh, gentlemanly? A little bit more gentlemanly, but again, I bought the fight choreography. Again, there's always like this idea of the guy fighting is smart. He's always a step ahead of the bad guys. Yeah. he He's putting himself in the proper position to counterattack always. He's not overwhelming them with force like a um, Jean-Claude Van Damme character right. would. Right, yeah. He's using the judo throw. Yeah, so you would go, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the conceit in your uh, head. Yeah. He makes it look so easy. All right, I was on board with him too. What about Samuel Jackson's take as the uh, superhero? Is this uh, you think it's a callback to uh, Unbreakable? <laughs> no, you, no, wasn't that him? Yeah, that was him. Uh, Samuel Jackson, from what I've heard, he he was trying to play a classic James Bond villain, and a James Bond villain always has some mannerism. That identifies him. Okay. And Samuel Jackson in this film has a mannerism that comes out very early on. More than one. More than one. Yeah. But I mean, he he's Pecking playing a very and uh, acting choices. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it worked for me. And then the hench girl in this film, played, the girl from Glee. No, it's not the girl from Glee. This you is thought Sof- it was, it, didn't you? It, it looks like Leah Michelle, but this is actually Sophia Butella. Uh, she has runner's blades on her oh, legs. Oh, wait, that should be in spoilers. No, it's in the trailers. I know, but that, that ruined it. <laughs> ruined it for me. I didn't even see it in the trailers. I saw it on a poster. I was like, wow. Well, It wasn't even on a poster. It was on uh, IMDb. I went to IMDb for some other reason, probably to get like a synopsis for one of our other shows. And it was the banner around 
that it showed her in that position. Well, they've been showing it off. And, it's and pretty awesome. It is awesome, and it could easily be stupid in a film. It does take a lot of style to pull it off. It looks great. Apparently, Matthew Vaughn originally wanted to get Oscar Pistor- Pistorius to play the part. I'm and glad Os- they didn't. And Oscar said, "Sorry, I'm too busy training." Sorry, I'm too busy killing my wife. A couple months later, yeah, he it, uh, huh. commits the murder huh. allegedly. Yeah. Well. So. So they found some other double amputee. I don't think she's double amputee. No, of course not. But it looks convincing. Yeah. Yeah. It looks awesome, and there again, there's a part of you going, "Why has no one ever thought of this before?" Well, I don't know. Get rid of the girl's legs. Give her swords. Yeah, no, I don't know if anyone thinks that. Nobody goes, oh, wow, why didn't anyone else think of this? I don't know. Do they? Well, I mean, the last time we saw it was in Terminator 2, and the blades for hands are awesome. Right. You know? It worked in Edward Scissorhands. Why does it take it 20 plus years <laughs> to get more blades? Huh. I don't know. I guess you need an Oscar Pistorius to actually make it to the Olympics in order for this character to work. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. But also, it also takes a lot of computer animation and a, and a lot of deft um, manipulation of the scenery and the surrounding things. And there's a whole but, lot going on with her. Well, that the art design for these legs, art design, yeah, they look like stiletto heels. They also allow they also slow her down so you can see them at times. Mm-hmm. But then you always want to see more of them. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see. It was in the movie a lot, but I was always like, wow, I want to see her use those things again. Oh, well, and you want to see it in a quiet scene where you can just study it. Because they didn't show it as much in a quiet scene. No, a lot of times you only see her from the waist up, but you yeah. want to. The, the shape of them, like I said, it's the stiletto heel. It seems like the blade can extend at times. You're not really right, sure. Right, right. I think that we need to go into spoilers here. Uh, oh, I'm. I'm just Unless there's anything else you want to no, say. No, no, I, I Before won't. we go into spoilers, is there anything else you want to say about the film? No, no, no. You sure? Yeah. Oh. Oh, you do? Oh, let me ask you the question. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go into spoilers? No, but I just recalled I didn't... <laughs> uh, no, there's nothing else. All right. Let's go into spoilers. Ooh. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I don't want to spoil the party, so I'll go. Oh, Cassius. Brutus gave the word too early. His soldiers felt a spoil. Spoilers. Yeah. The ending. Oh, I like the ending. The ending's classic Bond, the secret lair. 500 heads blowing up. Come on. You like it? Uh, yeah, whatever. I've never seen that many exploding heads. No, I... You've never I, seen that many exploding heads in the movie. No, and you know what movie I thought of instantly when I saw the exploding head? The interview. Scanners. And in this film, they blow up Obama. But then they also hyper-stylize it so that it becomes fireworks. And I think there's a, a sequence where... It goes around like it's in a round table or something. The whole bunch of leaders mm-hmm. just sitting around. And each head starts to explode. It goes up in different colors. They make it very artsy. But you're still blowing up the president. <laughs> they blow up most of the government's leaders. How do you blow up Obama film? and get away with it? 
Oh, well, even earlier on where Samuel L. Jackson is talking to Obama and you don't know it's Obama yet. And he's just laying out his plan. And finally the camera pulls back and you see that he's at the White House. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going, ooh. Yeah, but that's pretty I, kind of, I kind of thought that that's what it maybe I Maybe I knew that he talks to Obama. I, I don't know. Basically what happens in the movie is you guys have seen it because we're in the spoilers edition or spoilers section. Of the live podcast, but he goes to all these different world leaders and tries to get their help blowing up or destroying everybody else except for the world leaders. That's yeah. a part of the movie I really didn't. So were there only going to be like 500 people left in the entire world? No, you have all the third worlders. Without the SIM cards. Yeah, basically. If, cause this so he wants great... to kill everybody that's in the first and second world. Yes, the people that we're going to call... The, all the people that are going to be killed in this are going to be the first worlders, uh, the highly educated, anyone with a cell phone. All of the technology people, gone. Right. Silicon Valley ceases to exist. Right. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to live in this world know. anymore? You couldn't, really. The world needs ditch diggers, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the premise that we're overpopulated, Okay. But if I were crazy and a homicidal maniac, I'm not sure that I would kill all of these people first. I might go after the third worlders first. It's harder to blow up the third worlders. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd kill all the people in America, right? <laughs> well, that's because you're such a jingoistic yeah, you know, but, patriot. But Samuel L. Jackson is supposed to be some great leader like who's a Steve Jobs type yeah who's going to raise him up on their shoulders afterwards and say great job (laughs) I don't know that South American tribe that has never even seen a plane (laughs) fly above like there's a no fly zone around where they're this is part of the problem with the movie that where the house of cards falls down or begins to fall down because I understand you have to have this big huge plot at the end to make the whole thing thing work as a spy movie save the world but this is the problem that I have with most comic book movies and most big movies like that is it, it, it has to be a little bit smaller for me hmm. like uh, the equalizer he's just like equalizing some stuff <laughs> and it's a good movie as a result when it gets big at the end that's when it becomes annoying mm-hmm. so yeah I didn't really appreciate the House of Cards falling down, but I was along for the ride, and it was fun, and I think it was well acted. Yeah, and then those those damn blades again it was awesome. I enjoyed the blades. That fight goes on a little long. Yeah, half a shade. And there's some inconsistencies with the fighting abilities of Eggsy. Really, like where? He, he starts to become almost at the Colin Firth level. And somehow, without additional training, his fight skills seem to go way up. And as he's on that mission at the end, he gets much, much better at fighting. And then at the very end, the after-credits scene, he has become Colin Firth. He's back in the bar. Right. And you're going, when did they ever teach you these skills? All we see them doing is firing a gun in their training, Uh jumping out of planes... Uh Yeah, but you know it takes over a long period of time because his dog grows and he's in a coma. Yeah. Or the Colin Firth character's in a coma. What do you think of them killing off Colin Firth? A little unexpected. A little unexpected. Um, 
I had an idea that Mark Miller had done the comic book for this, and he's willing to break some of those conventions in his films. Uh, in Kick-Ass, they kill off a, a character okay. in um, a similar Well, now it's getting to become a trope. Yeah, well, when I was watching that church scene, I was going, ooh, this is a little hard to stomach. All of this violence uh-huh. that's coming from your main character and that he's not really defending himself. And I thought, how are they going to redeem Colin Firth? Well, and, they don't have to. And they don't. Because <laughs> they just kill him. They just kill him. Uh, this, I thought, it, it, starts to fall, it starts to fall apart there with the broadness of the, of the, of the plot. You know, you know where it fell apart? It fell apart ten minutes before. With the whole dark dog scene. You gotta shoot the dog. Right. And. No, no, no. It, it was still pretty good up until then. Because then he steals the guy's uh, car. And he goes back and then. No, because the, the dog shooting, that's an old joke. Well, yeah, but it's taking all those old jokes and it's, it's twisting them around and trying to use them. Well, I, I, I don't know. It, it stopped working. I knew... That he wasn't going to be able to shoot the dog. I knew that there were blanks in the gun. Well, what if, if they? What if he had just shot Michael Caine, or tried to shoot him? No, not tried it. to shoot him. He's shoot, because he points at that Michael Caine. What is he just? What if he pulled the trigger right there? Because that's what I was kind of expecting him to do. I was expecting him to pull the trigger and have it be a blank. That would have been better. Because right, then why it, did why'd you point the gun at him? Why did you point the gun at well, the dog? It's only there for dramatic tension, and it just rings hollow to me. All right. And when they don't show the other dog get shot, you just don't... I knew. You oh, heard the thud, though. It's confirmation. <laughs> it's confirmation that it's a blank in my mind. If if you're not going to show the death in a highly dramatic scene, then the death didn't occur. I think the film knew that it was doing that, and it was okay with playing with those I with playing with that trope. Do you think most of the audience gets that? Not or our audience. Surprised? Our audience was... It was like Land of the Yokels. <laughs> that was brutal. I that was horrible. Did you hear those jerks talking behind us? I almost almost moved. I almost moved to the like second or third row. I heard them talking during other scenes. Did you, they, they they came late and they they were like they heard the first character. They didn't hear. They didn't see most of the setup. The first character that talks, someone acts surprised. And the person next to him has to explain to him that they're in London. Like, Are these the guys that on. ordered the nachos? Yeah. I love that. 20 minutes in. Who ordered the nachos? It was so frustrating. Did you see the person move from the front row to the to the seats? You know how they have like the front mm-hmm. rows and then there's that space, the aisle in between, and then yeah. their seat. Did you see him move and trip and fall? No. <laughs> I was taken out of the movie so many times because of that kind of crap. Uh-huh. You know how, you know, I, I don't think I have like any superpower of hyper-awareness, but when I become aware of something and it jacks me out of it, it's really hard to get back into so it. So this may be your worst movie audience. Of the year. Of the year. <laughs> of 2015. And you're only in February. Yeah, because every other one I go to, there's two or three people in the theater. I understand there's some movies where you enjoy it with uh, in the trailers. Uh, there were two there were only two trailers. That's what I kind of like about going to the one up here in Gloucester. There's only mm-hmm. two trailers. One of the movies that was advertised 
the person directly behind us says, uh, Yeah, that's one we got to get a babysitter for. <laughs> Did you hear that? That was like, and it was a bad, it was like Hot Tub 2 or something. Mm. I was just like, huh. The, so that's the kind of crowd that we're in. Well, we went middle of the day on a Sunday, which... I, I didn't expect it. I, did, I really didn't expect oh, it. Oh, I expected it was going to be a bad crowd. I oh, expected geez, it. Louise, this man. is why I go see the early showing on a Saturday morning, or I'll go middle of the week... In the to afternoon, the last, 1 o'clock. Or, yeah, yeah, that, if it's in Gloucester, I go the last showing on like a Wednesday night. At 9.15? And there are two other people in the theater, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I'll never... I'll never go to another movie like that. I'll never, I'll never have that sort of experience again. I hope. You hope. I yeah. plan not to. I plan to never have that sort of experience. Revenge of the Yokels. But overall, no, I like Kingsman. Um, yeah, I go see Kingsman. How many sequels does this get? Eh, probably, you know, it's, it's going to be its own franchise. It'll, it'll get more. If they, if they can keep the quality up, Again, it, it, the movie collapses. The, the house of cards it creates collapses on itself because where do you go from there? That's sort of what happens with the Avengers. Now they're in outer space and they're saving galaxies and universes. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can't keep it small on the first one, there's really no way to up the ante, and people always want the ante to be upped. Yeah, but so I think. There has to be a sequel. I mean, this there has is to be set a sequel. Up. It'll be interesting to see all of the big name actors. They kill them off, so you don't have to pay them a bunch of money to come back for the sequel. I would like to see Colin Firth playing uh, that role again in you know a different time era. This is what oh, I thought this one was going to be. Based on the trailer, it seemed like the trailer was fifty percent Colin Firth's character in the past, and it's interesting to note that the the past was nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. You know, I was thinking it was going to be like 1960s or whatever, because that's what I'm trained to think, because that's what Oh, be they the said 1997, I'm going, all right. And then they flash 17 years later. I went, ooh, that's right. a lot of time. I know. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. 1997 doesn't seem that far back. But, <clears throat> sorry, uh, that's, where they, that's where they have to go. They have to try to up it from there, and it's going to be difficult to do. Um, it'd be interesting, though. I, it's gonna have some staying power, at least two, and then spinoffs. Yeah. It's gonna it, it. Well, I mean, they it could it could become really horrible, but it's gonna make some money, right? I think if they're smart, one maybe two more films. This is a TV series. This is the sort of thing that could be made on Netflix. This already made thirty five million dollars, right? Yeah. On the opening weekend, where the other R rated movie made. $86 million. This movie potentially could make more money next week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the Or actually, the week good. that we're talking about it, this is the week that it should be making... it. This might make more money than any of the other movies that are yeah. being released this week. On yesterday's show, I said the Duff is going to win. This could come out and win. I, I think this right. is I a horse race between uh, All right. the Duff and this. Good stuff. So that was yeah. the good stuff, and this is the good stuff. I think we're wrapping it up here. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to hear what you think of The Kingsman and any other movies that we've talked about or will talk about. Uh, next week, 
Looking forward to seeing uh, Chappie, I think. Yeah, Neil Blomkamp's uh, third film. All right, so we're going to do a Neil Blomkamp... uh, Retrospective. Retrospective. I almost said contraceptive. (laughs) Which is what he should have done with Elysium. (laughs) But either way, uh, if you want to uh, give us any feedback, uh, ask any questions, you can reach us on the Twitter. At... uh the Laugh Podcast. And you can also reach us to uh, at www.thelaughpodcast and email us at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com and also on Facebook. We're at The Laugh Podcast. You can rate us on iTunes. That's what we really want. Mm-hmm. Go to the iTunes, give us a rating, uh, give us uh, some feedback there. Um, we got some comments from. Uh, Friend of the show, Mr. Christ, who informed us that Yummy Mummy is the other monster cereal that I was trying to remember one of our previous shows. <laughs> and uh, Fruit Root is another one. Fruit remember Fruit? the you remember the monster cereals we talked about? I remember about? the monster cereal. I don't remember Fruit Root. Fruit Root. Oh, Fruit uh, Root. Yeah, not Fruit Root. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a tie with Guardians of no, the Galaxy. No, no. Fruit Root was... The original fruit-flavored cereal that came out in the originals in the seventies with the other monster cereals, mm. and uh, according to Tony, um, Quentin Tarantino put one of the put a, a fruit brute in the uh, movie Pulp Fiction. Mm. So, uh, and then recently they came out with Yummy Mummy, which is like a citrus-flavored marshmallow cereal. <laughs> it's brutal. But anyway, so yeah, give us some feedback on the Facebook, and if you know anything about cereal or movies or if any questions or concerns, let us know. Oh yeah, let's see the Kingsman. Let us know. And uh, for the Mister Two Frames over there, it's been a pleasure. I'm the L Trade. Pox at bottom, everybody. There be dragons. <laughs>